This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network. Visit JabberjawMedia.com for more shows like this one. Coming January 18, 2019, Misery Never Forgets, the new album from the leaders of the next generation of metalcore, Wrist Meat Razor. Revolver Magazine proclaims, Wrist Meat Razor reimagined the technicality and urgency of the hardcore and screamo of the early aughts. And Colt Nation hails, Wrist Meat Razor is poised to make their mark, a crimson slice of emotional violence. Wrist Meat Razor, Misery Never Forgets, available in all formats, January 18, 2019. Pre-order at store.prostheticrecords.com.
It's the Metal Sucks Podcast with your hosts, Petter Speich, Brandon Hahn, and Jocelyn Sharp. Metal Sucks Podcast. What is going on, everyone? It is I, your host, Petter Speich. I am always joined by Brandon Gooch Hahn. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at your buddy Gooch. And Jocelyn Sharp. You can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Jocelyn Sharp. And guys, you can follow me at Rise to Offend on Facebook, Twitter, Rise to Offend Official on Instagram. And this week, guys, we're going to get to interview Brett Boland from Astronoid. We're going to talk about the self-titled record, which is coming out February 1st. So make sure you guys pre-order or pick it up. But the first song that we played instead of a bit that we normally play is by Rigor Mortis. As you have heard, Rigor Mortis vocalist Bruce Corbett has passed away at the age of 56 due to cancer. And for people that didn't know Rigor Mortis, when they came out in 88, 89, they put out these speed thrash death metal records. They're hard to label. But the way I always described it to people is that when I first heard like White Zombies Lost Exorcisto, I remember thinking like this perfectly represents like 50s and 60s horror movies. Rigor Mortis's debut record and records that followed perfectly represent 80s horror movies to me they go hand in hand and for people that haven't heard it i think it's more considered a a classic thrash record but again i i kind of feel it's a little bit more leaning on the death metal side regardless man he um you know he passed away he's been battling cancer for a long time the news of him going into the hospice uh, just happened a couple weeks ago so very unfortunate chain of events guys but make sure you check out rigor mortis make sure you check out his latest project war beast our heart goes out to his family and friends and everybody that was close to him moving on from that sad news we have some somewhat happy news this is on a personal level somewhat happy. i think it's good news it's great news I, it's great news because me and brandon when we started doing this show this was uh, uh, a couple years back almost now but anyways uh, we this is officially me and brandon's 100th episode oh my god congratulations yeah dude we're we, killing it we started at 173 picking up after chuck and godless and uh, now we're at 273 mm. and i mean we have grown from those episodes. I don't want to fuck with the tilt. That's one thing we've learned. That's one thing. We, if there's one thing we've learned after 100 episodes, Pete and I, Jocelyn, you still got a little I bit to go. I still got a little bit, yeah. You still got a little bit yeah, to reach Yeah, I got like the, 40 episodes yeah. or something. But, but, I will say if there's one thing that I've learned after 100 episodes of Metal Sucks, it's... You don't fuck with Attila. I mean, if I had... If that's one lesson that I could bestow to everyone else... That's the ben- ben. that's the one thing you don't do. I learned that I wanted to play that jumped into the fire clip at you like every week. That's what jump I learned. Jump into the fire. <laughs> that's Dude, right. That was a long time. That was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. What about this? What about the time when you couldn't pronounce the word nuclear? Oh my god. Okay. Well, first off, I don't think anybody knows about this, but we would do nuclear blast ad reads. You did it again just there. I made you guys read the ads because I could not say the word. No, we would listen. We would have to stop Pete over and over again because he would not be able to pronounce nuclear. Yeah. Nuclear. Nuclear. No. God, here. This is, this is, this is, Vince sent me a clip of Homer saying nuclear to kind of have me trained (laughs) to say it because I kept fucking it up. Dude, this is you. This is you. This This is is me trying to do it. This is a clip of Pete trying to read this read for the very first time. Due out on May 4th via nuclear. <laughs> due out on May 4th via nuclear. Due out on May 4th via nuclear blast. Due out on May 4th via <laughs> nuclear blast. Nuclear. Nuclear. Nuke. Once again, nucleus. <laughs> nuclear. <laughs> Once again, nuclear. Nuclear, dude. I mean, did you edit that? No, that was me in one take. That was you in one take. Wow. Okay. 
<laughs> yes. Dude, it's my favorite. Nothing we haunts lo- me. We, Nothing gets in my head more than nuclear. We Dude. have so much fun with it, though. It makes us laugh so hard. I'll tell you this. This is one thing that... Uh, so this was actually a bit that Pete wrote for for me on our other podcast, but he wrote it, but he actually took clips of me from the Metal Sucks interviews that I was doing. We were trying... You know, when we were doing interviews and it was newer for us, so we, me and Brandon were doing them together all the time and scheduling. It was really hard because we were doing them together in the same room. Whenever he had to do, he did a couple by himself. If, if people weren't aware of that, it was just Brandon doing a couple interviews like Mike nine and stuff like that. And so I decided to, to, to use a clip of his interview skills that bothered me. And it, it actually haunts me later, but this is me making fun of Brandon's interview skills this at the Mike, beginning of our this show. This wasn't Mike nine. This was, uh, no, I'm not going to tell you who it was. Okay, yeah, yeah. People don't have to know what it was, but I want to say this before people hear this bit. If, if you guys don't remember it, every single word that he, he says this word, right? Every single one that is legitimately, I don't edit it. Those are all the rights he uses in the interview. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Drinking game fans, Rise to Offense got a new great one for you. How many times can Brandon Guchon say right during an interview? Right, 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 you, right. That is cool. He fake laughs sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right on, right on. He loves when the artists answer his question. Mm-hmm. Uh, right on, right on, right, right, right. And sometimes even leaves huge pauses because he's not listening and then says right. <laughs> right. Right. So get ready to get fucking wasted with the newest Rise to Offend drinking game. Right. 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 Brandon Gooch on interviews band. Striving for perfection. Like a motherfucker. All right. I always add things like a motherfucker. Yeah. When I have nowhere to go. I don't know, man. I always feel like you need to have that. Mmm. It's almost like that that Roddy Piper movie, right? Like, you know, right, right, right. Mm-hmm. That Roddy Piper movie, they live, they live. Yeah, it's it's like those those, those kind of. Like, it sounds like something he like, yeah, like a motherfucker, and then it would be like, and then the music would play. Do you know what your second thing is though? Right is your number one. Do you know what the second thing is? That's what I'm saying. That's, what, That's what, I'm what I'm saying. saying. That's what I'm saying. You know what movie? I think <laughs> yeah. I, I stole it from in my mind to make it cool. When I was a kid, there was a movie called, with Dolph Lundgren called Red Scorpion. You and would steal a Dolph Lundgren line. Check it out. Red Scorpion. The end of the movie, and people can watch this. He just stops. He puts out his bicep, and he goes, fucking A. Credits. Yes, dude. Hell Roll yeah. That. And I'm like, fucking A. So I well, actually stole fucking A from Dolph Lundgren's Red Scorpion. I'll tell you this. <laughs> uh, here's the thing, though. My, my word might be right. Or, that's what I'm saying, Pete's word is excellent. And now when this interview comes up and I do this interview, people are going to be listening for me to say excellent, which I'm sure I say many times with Brett. But here's what he did with me. But in all fairness, you cut this together. These weren't all the excellents in the interview. Your rights were legit. Yeah, you're right. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying, though. That's what I'm saying. Hey, (laughs) let's let's, let's hear how crappy I used to be. Okay. Hello, stupid. Do you like drinking games? Of course you do. Unless you're a piece of shit. We here at Metal Sucks came up with the greatest drinking game ever. Pete's Pages Excellent Adventure. Excellent. The rules are simple. Every time Pete says the word excellent during an interview, you take a shot. Excellent. 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 And when Pete says the words right on, it's your duty to pinch a titty. Right on, man. Ow, my titty. (laughs) Every time Pete loses his place during an interview, let a dog lick water right out of your mouth. Uh, does it matter? That's yeah, that's true. I mean, it, you're right, but um, to to 
I, I mean, when I got t- 12 angry months, dude. Jeez. And when he fake laughs, pick something up with your butt cheeks. <laughs> exactly. So. so get ready for a night filled with below average interviewing skills and booze. Excellent. 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 Pete Spajic's Excellent Adventure is free to play. So play today, you dumb assholes. <laughs> 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 Ain't that some shit? Ain't that some shit? Happy 100, you guys. Uh, but did you notice that he stole my exact like script for the bit I wrote? Yes, and that's what yeah, made it did. great. Yeah, that's why it's funny. Uh, it's called like a parody. It. That's why it's funny. We've discussed many All times. Right. It's never the pioneer that gets the credit. It's always the second. Exactly. So I'll take the money, and I'll just give you a big old thank you in the credits. <laughs> Fucking A. And another thing, like while during interviews, like there's times where I have to bring up topics that it might be like, all right, I don't want to make these people angry. Luckily, and this is a true story nobody's ever gotten angry with me that i've interviewed or that me and brandon have interviewed and nobody's ever hung up on me or anything like that which is something i expected when you kind of go at people with tough questions mm-hmm. you know that are like yeah you, you yeah, might say something that get, might get in trouble but i've always, I've but, always but you've always been respectful though dude you're not a guy yeah, you're not disrespectful you're not i gotcha. am not disrespectful yeah, I, won't, not, I won't yeah be you're not gotcha yeah. journalism that's yeah, not yeah, you pete's you not know? the kind of guy that's gonna you might he, he, just because he doesn't agree with you doesn't mean that he's gonna treat you any less respectful than right. any other human being right right yeah. and if you need proof go listen to last week's episode yeah, yeah. Go, but yeah. the point is um <laughs> <laughs> no disrespect at all. Just saying, like, you know, I don't I don't agree, agree with all that stuff. We have a clip. He saved a clip of me trying to hype myself up to ask a tough question Mm-mm. and like not knowing how. And it was super embarrassing. And Brandon plays this at me all the time. I don't think we've ever played this for the Metal Sucks audience, have we? Okay, uh you know, here we go. This is it. This is me. Boners in the <laughs> Wow, Pete. Total. You really sound That's how you hype yourself up? Yeah, wow. Wow. He just goes, ooh. Wow. Yeah, he he looks at himself in the mirror like Eminem and 8 Mile, and then he just yells, Boners in the mosh pit. It's a wrap. I saw Corrosion of Conformity and Crowbar last night. Did you? Yeah, and I mean, there wasn't a mosh pit, but I mean, if there was, I'd be looking for boners. How's that? (laughs) So Now now I'm all about it. Who's got one in there? Who's got one? And I'll, I will run right at them. Yeah. I can't wait for the day that somebody sends us a picture of an actual boner in a mosh pit. Oh, I'll be so shit. happy. Now that's going to happen. Now that's going to happen. I'll be way so to go, happy. Jaws. Way to go, I'll Jaws. be so happy. I'm not going to lie. Okay, so here's Pete trying to I'm so search, excited. search the right way to address a topic that is a little bit like that, that might get me in trouble. In that's a way. dicey. Here we go. Um, um, any? Sorry about that. Um, and then um, I had one more thing I was going to say. I'll edit this little goofy part out. What, am I, what was I going to say? Oh, and uh, and anybody out there, um, there won't be knitted. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You're losing your mind. Yeah, like, no. Dude, dude, still to this day, like, I'm such a shy person. Like, people know that. I'm yeah. shy, and it's like, it's still to this day. Like, I remember I pace in a garage because I'm usually at work when I do the interviews. I'll pace in a garage, like, before I talk to someone like Brett and be like, all right, dude, all right, let's do this. All right. You know, it's like I'm nerve wracking. Yeah. But back in the day, like when Brandon, when I started doing the interviews, I mean, Brandon, we're doing when we we're doing them together. It was like it was kind of a safe space, you know. But when I started doing it by myself, I remember That's the first one. I, I basically I held Pete's hand while we did it. I, I also like, want to point out that is the go. only space that Gooch has been in. That's been a safe space. No yeah. shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um, <laughs> every other space, danger central. <laughs> OK, calm down. <laughs> the hardest thing of like interviewing people is not looking at your questions and listening to them. I yes. learned that I'm like, I need to stop looking at my questions and go with this. But at the, fir- at the beginning, it was like, we have to answer 12 questions. Or <laughs> like, yeah. It was like, such- what is your
your favorite color? <laughs> and then you listen back, you're like, God damn, I'm a robot, or I stutter. Yeah. It sucks. So let me let me ask a hard hitting question. So when you had breakup with your guitar player, how did that all happen? <laughs> He's being Squizzguard right now. <laughs> Stops copies me. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, man. I mean, we made it a hundred. I mean, and I want to do it. We're we're gonna make another hundred more. Knock on wood. We're gonna keep going. But uh, yeah, dude, we want to thank everybody that trusted us at the start and is still listening. That actually listened to all hundred. I know there's a lot of you guys out there, which is crazy. And everybody that might have picked up on us later and uh, stuck with us as well. Because during the journey, during any podcaster's journey, it, it's a little rough in the beginning. It is. It's yes. a little rough. Like it, people don't understand the, the the pieces, even making it sound good. All these things that you kind of learn. And then definitely like talking to strangers, you know, even though you guys have that bond of music and all that stuff, it's still not easy. You know, it's still not easy, especially when you know you're like the fifth interview after you know, in a row or something like that. I remember a person I talked to, I was like, they started interviewing at 5 a.m. and I was the 5 p.m. interview. And I mean, that was, I was like, take a deep breath. I'm going to try not to answer, to ask the same questions and I'll get you out of here in 30 minutes. And I was, and they was like, cool, thank you. They understanding. And then the interview went good, but I'm 12 hours of interviews. It happens sometimes, dude. So, and I just want to thank everybody, like I said, listened and all the people that were the bread and butter of the show, which is the interviewees like Brett Bowen, who we got today, guys. So thank you guys for the hundredth. And I hope you never, uh, I'll try not to say excellent ever again. Right, 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 right. That's what I'm saying, though. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, though. <laughs> That's what I'm saying, though. Excellent. <laughs> oh, Jesus. All right, guys. This month, King Diamond will release a new DVD Blu-ray, Songs for the Dead Live via Metal Blade Records, boasting 18 songs per set. Each of the two shows, Belgium's Grass Pop Metal Meeting in June 2016 and Philadelphia's Fillmore in November 2015, feature a brace of classic King Diamond and Merciful Fate tracks, including Welcome Home, Halloween, and The Eye of the Witch. Before launching into 1987 seminal, Abigail. Purchase your copy now, metalblade.com slash King Diamond. Once again, metalblade.com slash King Diamond. And with that, guys, we're going to jump into our interview with Brett Boland of Astronoid. Everybody, what's going on? It's Petter with the Metal Sucks Podcast. On the phone, I got Brett from Astronoid, and we are here to talk about their self-titled record just coming out February 1st. Your debut record, Air, was this podcast's number one album of 2016 and garnered a lot of hype. Something that I think is difficult for debut records in modern times. How did the praise influence the new self-titled record? It actually made it a lot harder to write. There's <laughs> a lot of pressure, and it, it got to my head. I'm starting to write like too hard, you know, like trying to outdo it, outdo air. And um, it was real bad. Like the songs are really bad. <laughs> you know, it was like uh, a lot. I was writing like faster and more complicated stuff. And it, it was just like emotionally hollow, you know. So it was, it was tough to kind of take a step back and um, just sort of kind of figure out where I was in my in my life and then write what I wanted to write, which is what I did for air. So it's kind of funny. I, I didn't take my own advice when talking about air of like just going with your heart and going with what you want to write, you know? So it took a, a while to figure that out. <laughs> Intuition though, right? That's a very difficult thing to follow when there's expectation. I don't think people understand that. Absolutely. And like no one cared about air coming out. 
you know, and I don't know if people care about the new one, but some people do. So it was like, you know, that level of like people are watching now and, and knowing that, you know, I'm under somewhat of a public eye now. So absolutely, it's going to be, it's going to be criticized and all that. And it just kind of got to my head, you know, it, it shouldn't, but then you could tell yourself, don't let it, but it's still bad. But so many artists, we've all heard of the sophomore slump. So many artists have been there. Yeah. Where their second record, they're like, let me cater to the people that loved it or some sort of thing where they get in their head and it does affect their career down the line. So like there's so much pressure on a second or third record or actually any record that had the hype that Air did following in. Listening to the album, this is what I, I take from it. So it, it took me back to a movie soundtrack. And now my life is obviously going to relate to certain things. It took me back to a movie soundtrack that I listened to a lot growing up, and that was the soundtrack to the film The Doom Generation, which was a, it was a joyous sadness, is what I would always say. So, Meaning if I was happy, it made me smile more when I was listening to it, but if I was sad, it kept me there as well. And your new oh. record has that same emotional transference to me. How do you convey positivity and sorrow in the same song? I haven't heard many people's feedback on the record yet. Mm. besides like um so it's really cool like this is the perspective that i look forward to the most people's emotional reaction to the music because what i have and what i get from it is going to be completely different than yours and i also don't want to set up anyone else's emotional response to it you know i want to make it like an even plane like a vanilla type thing where you pull what you want out of the music um but i get exactly what you're saying it's this record is, I, I hate to say this word, it, it, it feels darker to me, but it's not dark. Like, it, it has, like, a heavier emotional element to it than air. Air was more joyous and energetic, and I feel like the new one is more of, like, a down-to-earth. I, I opened up way more in this record than I did with air, and I think it's just, it's literally about, like, I don't know, it's just kind of how we all are. We're all kind of up and down all the time. But that's very interesting that, you know, it kind of amplifies whatever mood you're in at the time of listening to it. Yeah, dude, um, it really does. There's a song on there called Lost. First time I've listened to it in my truck a few times, I'm going back and forth, and I'm like, dude, I'm just smiling. And then today, when I'm driving in to do the interview, the track hits, and I'm like, man, I just, I feel like this disconnect to the like, world, shit. right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. And I'm like, this song's speaking to me. But dude, I was smiling the other day. And that's something that, like I said, m to me, music, you know, it's art is, is beauty in a lot of ways. I can ask a question about that as well, though. Beauty is art for many. Like, and to relate or create something with that label has a transcendent quality. You know, like you said, for us emotionally, how important is that to you and your band? The escape, if we can label it. I, I would say that's the most important aspect. If I don't feel anything after working on a song, then it goes in the trash. You know, like, that's kind of how I judge this. If I don't, if I listen to this, because wh when I write, I I write, like, all the parts, and then I move on. Like, like the, I'll go on to the next song. So it's like, I'll have a complete demo when I'm done with the song. And I can listen to it as pretty much... Um, as it's going to be on the record, but, you know, not fully polished, not fully tracked, but, like, you know, I play the drums on an electric kit, and I, like, lay down a crappy bass line before Dan writes his good one, 
So um, I get a good idea of how it's going to sound and how it's going to feel. And, like, if I don't feel anything, it's, it's, I'm done with it. Um, and that's how I weeded out those early songs and how I realized that I was going in the wrong direction. Because I was playing songs that are just emotionally empty, felt nothing, vocals sucked. Like, it, it just wasn't, it had no, no substance. So doing the second record just solidified that the emotional element of this band is the is the band. Like it's the most important thing. How many songs did you write and scrap, if I may ask? Oh man. Full like completed full songs. I probably scrapped like maybe eight to ten. And then there's there's gotta be like thirty or forty starts mm. to stuff. You know, just like riffs. The whole idea with this is I would record everything and then try to do something with it. And if nothing happened, move on. You know, um, I try to finish the song and nothing happens. And But it's tough sometimes because there's a lot of songs on this record that like came from crap songs. There was a, I think, what song? I Dream in Lines was... Of, that was a riff that came out of an old song. Like it was like a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, and then the "I Dream in Lines" riff came in in that song. And then I wrote this the whole "I Dream in Lines" song coming after, and I was like, the whole beginning of this sucks. And I just kind of went off of that idea. So that whole string of ideas that led to "I Dream in Lines," you know, I wouldn't have gotten there if I didn't just keep pressing on that idea. So it's kind of weird. It's kind of interesting, and you never know what you're gonna get when you start that kind of stream because at least when I'm writing it feels like a sentence you got to complete the sentence to finish the idea if that kind of makes sense absolutely um, yeah absolutely the stubbornness of like loving a part but not making that part fit like most writers start where they like and they fill in yeah they fill in before and after you know songwriting should be a similar process i would i would assume for a lot and that one part it, it probably haunts if you can't make it work yeah there's we cut a lot out of these songs. I, I would say that like the number one goal of this album was to keep uh, everything very focused and, and not to be dragging a lot. Like if a song needed to be eight minutes, it's fine as long as it doesn't drag. And as long as it like, like if something didn't have to be said in the song and get rid of it. Like what's the point of this part? What does it do for you? What does it do for me emotionally? And if it doesn't do anything, get rid of it. Like there were some cool riffs that we had and they were just like, it felt like it was just plopped in, you know? And yeah, it was a cool riff, but like, so, you know, it does nothing for the song itself. You know, it doesn't service the music. So, you know, it's tough making those decisions, especially when like something cool is there and you're like, ah, this, is, this just shouldn't be here. My gut tells me it shouldn't be here, you know? Absolutely. It, it's weird. It's cool. It's organic. That's what it's supposed to be. You know, it's supposed to be intuition, organic personality, all those things from you, you know, coming in there. What was different on air, though? Did it not have the same back and forth? No, it, it was way different because we we were almost writing air while we were recording it. And that's that was awful. We were under our, the gun to finish it. And I had demos, but they were like, okay. And so we recorded the drums, and then I kept writing and changing things, but I couldn't change form once the drums were done, you know? Because the, drum, the drums are done, you can't, like, just copy and paste, you know, live drum parts and make new drum parts from, um, you know, recorded drums. So I was kind of, like, stuck in there, and, you know, we didn't have as much legal room. But this time, 
we download everything first, like like the record. Like we like recorded the record with an electric drum set, pretty much, and then we went back and re-recorded the record for real. So it was really nice to just have the record done and be like, okay, this is it. Everyone record their parts. That was it. You know, it was a very quick process rather than air, um, which took forever to write and record. Which one do you prefer, being under the gun or having too much time? I I want a timeline. Mm. Like, we, we, I like to work under a timeline, but it's still tough. You know, um, right at the end of the mixing for this record, we just had so much going on. Um, just in life, you know, Dan getting married, he was planning a wedding and getting married while we were mixing the record. I got engaged and my fiance got a job in Connecticut and we moved to Connecticut while we were mixing. And then we went on tour like the week after. (laughs) So it was like, you know, we we finished the mixes and then like left the next day or something like it it was insane, but it, it felt good. It, it didn't take nearly as long to track and record because we, we already knew what the parts were. Like, we weren't like, oh, I don't know if that's going to fit or whatever because we already weeded out and did that work. That so was nice. Nice, dude, yeah. Congratulations to Dan. I know it's late. And congratulations to you on your future yeah. nuptials. Thank you. Those, those personal yeah. things, they, they define and they're the most important thing to everybody out there. So it's great that you guys, your personal life and your band are kind of on the same trajectory. I think that's really cool. It reflects, I feel like, in the music, like the things that are going on in our life. That's a genuine stamp of a time mm-hmm. frame, which is awesome, dude. Let's talk about a little bit of the business side, which is a little fun sometimes. So yeah. your band seems to be able to tour with many different genres. It's one of those bands that I can see on tour with punk bands, with metal bands, things like that. Now, while touring on air, were you on any tours that you signed up for? You were like, wow, this went over way better than I thought. And then the flip side, where you like, I can't believe this didn't work? Not really. I Almost every tour, I think, was awesome. And it just kind of got cooler as we went. Because we started off small in the Moon Tooth. Like, we, we started with Moon Tooth. And that was an awesome tour. And they're amazing dudes. And they're an amazing band. And we still keep in touch with them. And then we did the Ghost Bath tour, which was fun. But it was a little weird, because they didn't end up meeting up with us until halfway because um, they had some problems with the border with taxes. Like, the, they were trying to get them on, uh, like, bringing their merch over. So that was tough, you know? Yeah. And uh, But once we got with them, they were great, and everything was happy, and they met up with us in Vancouver. So we ended up playing some Canada shows. And, and then from there, uh, we did the dates with Tesseract, and they're, like, the nicest dudes. And I can't believe how much we played with them and how many times we're going to play with them in, like, the span of two years. You know, it's, it's so strange. We did five dates with them, and then we did a full tour with them, and then we're going out with them again with Between the Barrier and Me. I talked to James when you guys were on tour with him, and uh, the new record was coming out, Sonder, from them. And it, I think it was yeah. with Pliny, too, right, on that tour? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, I love those guys. It's funny. I started listening to them so much when I got home. It's just like, it's funny how seeing a band how many times and it's just like I didn't realize how good they actually were you know it was just like I love it I listen to it all the time yeah that's how I operate anytime I see a band their record I'm like I dig their record then I see them live and then afterwards, their record like has a life. It's just a different experience altogether. That's part of the whole trajectory of being a fan, I think, for a band. Especially with their, their type of music. Yeah. You got to see it live first. Well, you don't have to, but for me, it, it helped a lot. 
I, I don't disagree at all. So like you just mentioned, you're hitting the road with Between the Barrier and Me and Tesseract. Between the Barrier to Me, to me, is a band that is, it's universally recognized as pioneers. Has their journey as a band motivated you in any way? Oh, man. Like, I hate admitting this, but I went to their Alaska release show. Like, not the, not the one in Connecticut, uh, North Carolina, but like, I was on, I went to that tour. Like, I've been listening to them since Silent Circus. That album, like, literally changed my life. It was the first time I heard the gutturals and stuff, and then Clean Singing came out of nowhere. And I was like, what the hell is this? And then I got into this whole thing of going into, like, bands like Cult of Luna. Like, I started looking for that Clean Singing, and it was kind of like, I didn't know what Shoegaze was, and that was kind of, like, what I was looking for. I don't know. I'm just kind of rambling at this point. But anyways, I love that band. I've been listening to them forever. I have everything they've ever put out. And like, I'm just, I'm so pumped. And they're such an inspiration uh, to me because they just kind of do what they want, you know? And uh, I love their music and I love that they can take chances. And I love that they love Danny Elfman. <laughs> That's a big one. Everybody <laughs> should love Danny Elfman. I know you're talking about the Silent Circus. It's like, uh, it goes from reaction to like, Something Take Two it was like Chevnel, right? And and I remember yeah, when yeah. I first heard the record, I don't know, Mordecai, I think, was before both of those songs. But those three songs, I always blended into one because they just it's went, it went everywhere, so right? Good. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I, I, I remember, I think I was too young to realize the importance of it, you know, at the time. And then when Colors mm-hmm. came out, I was like, let me go back. Because Alaska, I was a huge fan of, but Sound Circus, I left uh, a little bit of a like, I like this band. I'm going to keep following them, but it didn't stick with me. After Colors, I went back and I was like, wow, how did I miss this the first time? <laughs> yeah. Um, it, I was in that, like, they, so that made the, the click for me, Sound Circus. Mm. And, like, right around that time, I was just like, I was listening to all, like, that shit. I was listening to that and Daughters you know, like Canada song mm-hmm. and um, Dillinger Escape Plan, Calculating Infinity, all that stuff. So, like, I was, oh, a ton of the locusts. So I was just in that, like, crazy vibe. Like, I, and I still love that stuff. So there was just such a perfect band to latch on to, and then I heard that clean stuff. And I was like, man, this band just has something going on. And then they upped it with Alaska, and they totally blew it open with colors. That was one of my favorite shows I've ever, I've ever been to. I went. I saw them upstairs at the Palladium in Worcester, and they they just came out and they played the first two songs off Colors, and then they're like, "Yep, we're gonna play the rest of the record now." Played all of Colors that night. Yeah, if you see White Walls live, you're a happy person. That's all I gotta say. That is. Yeah, they played all of Colors, and then yeah. they ended with Selkies. You know, like they they just gave them both to you. Nice, dude. Hopefully they do that on the tour with you. You never know. You might get to see White Wells and Selkie. I don't think they play Selkies anymore, man. I could be wrong, though. I I think they retired. Really? I I hope that's the... Yeah, I've never seen Mordecai. That was like... I've never... I've just never seen that song. And I've seen them so many times. And uh, I think... I think they played it. Did they play it in the last Colors tour? Dude, I, I saw them out here in Vegas. I'm in Vegas, and they played in the, yeah. on the Colors tour. And I just saw them on the Automata one. I didn't see them on the second one. By the way, I want to hear yeah. some of those songs live, man. But uh, <laughs> oh yeah, I forget the name of it. But the first track the on the first second disc track is on. one of the best songs they ever wrote. Ever, ever, dude. And you're completely right. Yeah. And I mean, because Blot, the song before that, technically in order on on Automata yep. one, 
that that song they did play live and it, that's like right next to white walls now after i saw it live so yeah that first song, <laughs> it's something like voice of treason dude i'm, I'm just guessing i could be wrong that's, yeah it's right? something like that yeah, yeah. such yeah. an amazing song dude um, i could look it up but yeah no worries man no worries <laughs> <laughs> so people people appreciate that you got to hit up this tour with between the buried and mead asteroid and tesseract that's that's what we're we're selling right now and the importance of that journey for bands like that because you mentioned every band you mentioned that was such an important time frame for all of us in music because that was such an original it comes in waves of like what's yeah. going on here i i don't understand it at first then you see it live and you go through the journey and be like look at this this is genius you know but it takes years for you to it's so weird yeah. looking back i feel like that's um but colors is such a monumental record for metal and um it's cool being like looking back and being like yeah i remember when that came out after hearing the one before it you know, it's like one of the rec- it's like I can never have listening to Injustice for All for the first time after listening to the first three Metallica records, you know, mm-hmm. not that it's, I love them all, but I'm, you know, I'm just saying it's like, I'll never have that, but I've had this and that's like kind of my, you know what I mean? Yeah. My moments, I guess. Absolutely. My, uh, timeless classic. Timing is everything to me. Like, so it's like when it hits you at that right time and that record, you know, Judas Priest, Nostradamus, I brought up a few times. That one was such an important record to me. Everybody hated it. But for some Mm -hmm. reason, like the timing in my life, I needed that record. I just needed Rob Halford's voice to sound painful and, you know, all these things. And I needed this long, drawn-out journey. And is it a classic? I don't know. But to me, yeah. (laughs) And that's what's so great about music, man. That's what's so great. And, like, I I had the same – and it's great to share that with other people, like the colors thing, because that was such a monumental – that changed every record I bought from 2008 on, you know? It was like, all right, I'm going to put the death metal away for a second. Let me follow this path, you know? Yeah, let's see what what is it. What is going on here? What is it? Was there prog? Like, if you asked me back then, was that that prog metal? Like, what was prog metal besides Dream Theater? And, you know, I don't know. I... I didn't know what Prague was then, and it it, it kind of like it created that whole genre. I do like one thing that I've I've read. Uh, you guys get labeled on, and that is Dream Thrash. Thought it was a really interesting label, but I love people trying to put labels on uh, non conventional bands. Yeah. What is the strangest label you've heard someone give your band? Oh man, I don't even know. Happy metal. <laughs> Happy metal, dude. <laughs> um, and honestly, we use that. Like, if I'm asked what you know, what is, what does Asteroid sound like to like, you know, yeah. someone who has no idea, like they listen to the radio in their car, like we're happy metal, you know, I've read some weird ones online, but they don't stick because I, it, none of them work. Dream Thrash barely work. You know, that was a, that was a label came up by Blood Music. And we were like, yeah, that's fine. What else are you going to call it? It sounds and, cool. Uh, I just didn't want anything with black metal. I just didn't want that. The only thing I didn't want to be, like, stamped with. Not that I have anything wrong with black metal. It's just I didn't want to, I don't know, I just didn't want that label for us. I, I, we're not black. You know, there's nothing dark about us. And um, there's just stuff about black metal that we take, like black beads and stuff like that. But there aren't any of that on the new record. What's great about a band that has, like, a shoegaze or dream element, like, like you guys, is that when you see them live, the riffs and the drums seem to have a stronger presence and sound than on the actual record. Do you feel that's a fair take for your band, or do you make a conscious effort 
for the heaviness on stage? We try to make it as clear as possible in, you know, in the time frame that we have to set up. Because being um, an opening act, you don't have a lot of time. You know, it's just like, it's just how it is. So we, we, we try, we're trying to take more things into our own hands as we go and to make it easier to set up to, be, to sound better after. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Set up yeah. faster and sound better. Um, we're all on the XFX train now, which has changed touring for me. Getting that thing has changed touring. It's, it's unreal, like, just that I can roll in and just have the same thing every night and have it work, and, and it's awesome. And it helps our front of house engineer immensely because he doesn't have to deal with uh, room acoustics, miking it, and stage volume. And if you cut stage volume from mics, then it's just clearer for everybody, you know? Um, and it's faster to set up. So I think as we go, it should be more balanced, you know, as, as we keep touring and as we keep getting better with this. So I think naturally the drums are just going to be bigger live, but we, we try to keep it as balanced as possible um, and try to recreate the record without sounding like the record. That's what I like to hear. I like to, because it, yeah. it, you need that human element. You need it. You know? Yeah. It's so yeah. important. Yeah. Um, the final. And that's tough I, with us. I, that's what. That's why I was asking the question. I go because the record is so clean and and the emotions you want to hit all that live, but there's yeah. a human element to it. Yeah, that's going to make it a little tougher. Yeah. So, but that challenge is is got to be fun, man. It's got to be fun. I think. I love it. I I spent so much time prepping the live show, and uh, there's so many things that I had to go against, like basically pride things for Astronaut. Like I. I want to sing everything. I don't want to do backing tracks. I don't want to do any of that. But if we don't do that, I feel like the experience suffers and the emotional element suffers. Um, so, like, we, I, I sing to the album-recorded harmonies, and I just take my main part out. So if I'm having a bad night, you'll know it. <laughs> and that human, that human element is there. So if I'm not on, it's there. But I think vocals are such an important element to this. Mm-hmm. And the harmonies and the way they sit, I can't sacrifice that in any way. So like, I just had to suck it up. And it's like, you know, this is going to sound the best. And it's going to be the best experience for everyone. And the truest to the album and the music we wrote. So like, that's, that's why we're doing it that way. No, presentation matters. If you take away these certain elements, I know it sounds weird for people out there, because like, I, I am pro-backing tracks within reason. Okay, I'm just yeah. going to say that. To take away some of those elements to the songs, I don't recognize the song right away. you know. And a yeah. lot of times I'm stuck there. I'm like, what is this? Is this because there's an element that's clearly missing? you know? So I think it's great for the fans. And, and dude, I, I am pro-technology uh, 80% of the time. I just think that humans need to, again, within reason of technology. You know, That's the yeah, whole thing to me. Yeah, I completely agree. Another reason why we do it that way is like we, we can map our own lights. Mm. And um, that's something else that we can take out of um, the hands of someone else that we're more in control of for that. Just like um, the static, like this, it's going to be the same thing every night. It's one less thing we have to worry about. Um, you know, it's not the most ridiculous lighting, but um, it's something, you know, that goes with our music that's mapped, that we can bring with us that's small. And um, being like playing with the backing tracks and having the click allows us to map those lights every night and like have a cool light show for a band that can't afford, you know, a lighting designer. 
You know, we can't have someone with us to, to punch buttons to go with the music. So we have to create our own way of doing that. And playing to backing tracks and having that click allows us to do that. As we're talking about technology, dude, streaming has been the primary fan base for your band because you're a newer band. And the mm-hmm. phys- physical copies have been almost a relic during your career. Now, they still matter. I still buy my physical copies. I'm still very much a proponent of that. But how do you feel beginning your career at this stage supposed to the transitional stage many bands had to go through i'm glad we kind of did that because we didn't we didn't have to deal with changing our business model so i get i guess that we like we know what to expect you know and um, the way that our business works is you know people stream and people buy what they buy and you know that that's fine and you know we we try to make our money um from touring to support the band you know and that's fine but those bands that sold records and they sold you know thousands and thousands of records and it's probably paying bills and then it went away and then they're like oh man like we gotta we gotta figure out what to do like that's tough because it's not cheap to you know to keep a band running you know even you know and, and especially for a smaller band it really takes a lot of work running the books and keeping your finances in order and you know just like insurance costs for the van and llc crap that you have to pay for state and like there's a bunch of crap that you don't really realize is there so um i'm kind of happy we are where we are just so i can better plan for what we're doing you know so hopefully vinyl just keeps getting bigger and it is what it is but you know it'll never be what it was yeah i think vinyl is is definitely gonna stay on on track and it's funny because that's the best way to present a record i think a lot of people and, and during my area i grew up on cds and tapes so i didn't grow up on vinyl but obviously when you first get a vinyl you're like wow this is the artwork's big everything this is probably the best way to present it and i just think it's funny is like the first way it was presented was the best way and then we just had to modify it all the way through the years <laughs> like so yeah i was, okay. i was a cd era too yeah. like I, I have like 2000 CDs and I still have them all and I still buy CDs every once in a while because I want like I love the sound quality of like I want the high res you know files and if like if it's a band that I love like I bought the newest Between the Bear to Me albums I bought Sonder I bought the Zealand Arter stuff you know it's just like I just bought everything that I liked so rather than just like blind buying which is what I used to do you know I would just go in like that's a sick cover like I did with Alcest, never heard of Alcest, and I just liked the cover, and it blew my mind, you know? Yeah. I don't do stuff like that anymore, because Spotify, you know, I hate to admit it, but Spotify kind of, from a business or a smart economical perspective, you know, it's like I can listen to it for $10 a month and spend $10 for the CD and not like it. Blind buying was a big thing, and it was cover art, always. That's exactly what always. you, always. You're like, what is this? And then you get it, and you're like... Nah, it's a new metal band. <laughs> I don't know. No, I know. They're like, oh, this cover art's great, but you know, I, there I are a couple of real bad ones that I that I've got. Yeah, for sure. And then, um, and I, you know, what's funny is that I would buy them, I wouldn't like them, and I'd still force myself to listen to them because I paid for it. <laughs> it was like, yeah, no, uh, I'm with you too. It's I like to... I used to come home with like ten CDs. Like, I wonder what I'm gonna like. Yeah. I kind of miss that. <laughs> I do. I do too, man. Like I said, it's it's part of the timing in life and. It, the journey it, it makes you a fan bigger because you have all these experiences and i always try to sell that but it's like nobody's gonna listen to me i feel like an old person but like if you don't if you don't have that experience of going to a record store at midnight to buy the new whatever record and then taking it home oh, yeah. and sitting with it and it's like already 3 a.m and you're like whoa like 
I did that with every Between and Barry and the Island. Right? Dude, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I remember doing that for Miss Machine with Dillinger Escape Plan. And I, yeah, I, me too. <laughs> right? And I had to go home because it was like a five-year break. I mean, we're not talking about the patent EP, but it was like a five-year break. And then I remember having to work at 7 a.m. And I just said, I'm toughing it out, dude. And I listened to the record like five times. I didn't even take a, a wink. I don't know if people yeah. have that experience anymore. I don't think they do. You know, and that's uh, it's hard to it's it's just impossible to recreate. You know, but what ruins it is bands streaming the record a week before it's out. Yeah, like I hate that. I hate. I I don't ever listen to it. No, no, no. I won't even listen to a song, dude, because I I know the bands I listen to put out albums. I'll be like, I'll wait for it. Yeah, Yeah. I used to be like that, but when Daughters put out their new song, I I I don't think I've hit play that fast (laughs) on like a new single. I was just like, I was all in. And they, like, Daughter Self-Titled is top 10 for me. Gotta be. So when they announced the new record, I was all ready to go. And, you know, here's my money. I got the vinyl. I broke my own rule on that one. They're geniuses. They are, man. (laughs) They are. I I completely agree. And it's like. I, I think they should be up there with, like, David Byrne. Like, just the weirdos of music. Like, they're, like, they're. But then, you know, I don't know. Hopefully they will be someday, but it's just so cool. They're like the David Lynch of music. That's you know? a great <laughs> comparison. That's funny you brought up David Byrne. Last night I watched Stop Stop Making Sense. Me and my lady, oh, like, yeah. we were having a Jonathan Demi fest, and I, I pulled out Stop Making Sense. I haven't seen this since probably, was like, I don't know, 17. And I just sat there. I'm like, Jesus, the talking heads are just, this is crazy. Pop music They're in the crazy. 80s was so good. I don't know. Yeah. It really was. There's um, a million bands in the 80s like that did pop music. Peter Gabriel, whatever. It's great, man. Oh, dude, don't even start on him. <laughs> I can't stop listening to him. It is a problem. Like I it's every album too. Like I just can't I can't stop. Like security <laughs> uh dude. So I I guess I'll admit this here too. But um since I, I am a very big between the Bear and Me fan, as you know. Mm-hmm. I signed up for Twitter back in the day when they were recording The Great Mr. X just to get the updates on the record. And um, I hope they don't listen to any of this. Um, <laughs> I'm going to send but, them an uh, email. I'm going to let them know. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah, I know. So I follow Dan Briggs, too, because he's, he's like my favorite bass player. Mm. And um, he, like, I just like cherry-pick things that he puts up online and listens to. And, like, I started listening to Old Genesis because he posted something about it. Mm-hmm. I'm obsessed with Old Genesis, like Gabriel era. And then he was like, this is an underrated Peter Gabriel album, Security. And I was like, I've never heard of this. I want to listen to it. Obsessed. I bought every Peter Gabriel record, like, the next day. I went to the CD store. I bought every one that they had. And, like, I, I, it's just crazy how much music, like, how much they have influenced me as players and just finding out weird music and cool music, you know? They've influenced me a lot, apparently. So uh, I, I just can't stop. And back to David Byrne real quick. I just listened to his new record today, and that's why I brought it up, and oh. it's awesome. I don't know if you've listened to it. It came out in March. I snoozed on it. I, I do. Um, yeah, no, I, I did get that one. He actually played out here, and, and I missed him. That, I was watching yeah. videos from the concert. They're like It's like a marching band he put together. I don't know if you've seen the videos, but you no, should check it out. It's I need to. Strange. They're all laying on the floor. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's it's cool. 
It do not. I, the fact I missed him was, uh, it's one of those things. I forgot what happened, but like life gets you and I'm like, don't miss David. Burn. Damn it, dude. You know, like, like, yeah, like there's certain ones. It's like, eh, you know, I feel like that about every show, the older I get, it's like, cause life is so difficult to figure out, you know, I've got the family, I've got all these things and I don't want to miss. That's the thing is my kid's three right now. And mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know how many days I get with him or hours, so I don't want to miss any of it because he's so amazing as a three-year-old seeing everything new for the first time and surprising me with new words that come out of his mouth or completing sentences. So it's like, and he's not going to remember any of this. Only I am, right? He's not going to remember anything from three years old. So I always have that conflict of like, do I get a babysitter or do I spend another night with him? You know, it's, it's, uh, it's definitely an adult problem, but like it's, I lose sometimes. It's weird but, putting yourself in that perspective. Yeah. Because when you're younger, you don't no. think about that. And then when you're, when it's flipped and you're the dad, you know, it's like, oh man, it's just like, it's, it's crazy. You know, I'm not a dad, but I, I, I can only imagine what, it, what it's like, you know, if, that. If, it's incredible. Yeah. If it's your, if you're planning on, you know, I know you're getting married and stuff like that, but if you're planning on having kids, I'm telling you right now, it, there's things in life that change you. Like you're never the same person the day before, like a, a death in the family or something like that, where you're like, oh, I lost my, my father, you know? And the day before, I don't mm-hmm. even know who that person is anymore. After the day after, the same thing happens when you have that kid in your hand, that little worm in your hand. You're like, who was I yesterday? I don't remember, but I'm changing, right. I'm changing everything what, right now. What the <laughs> hell happened? Yeah. <laughs> I'm changing everything right now. So speaking of, man, let me hit you up. The final song, The Wreck, is called Ideal World. Can you tell me what, compromise you would make to the opposition for your ideal world that's a really tough question mm-hmm. that's a, that a real deep one i know um, I, I wanted to end i wanted to end deep <laughs> <laughs> i just want everyone to treat everyone with respect and just like how they would want to be treated and i see and i've seen it on the road i've seen it everywhere like it's there's very few things that make me like angry and I try to I try my absolute best and I am not you know I have faults too I try to treat everyone how I would want to be treated nice and just think of others and respectful and you know if I'm going to get a coffee I'm going to ask everyone else if they want a coffee you know like I, I just want to extend that hand and be helpful and have everyone just sort of work together because that's what we're all here doing you know we're all just living and trying to live our best life and enjoy the things that we love with the people we love. So if we can all just make that easier, that's sort of my ideal world. And what I would sacrifice, like, I would, that's the toughest part of this question. I think I know a compromise, if, if I may add, if you sure. allow me to. Because I agree with your ideal world. I've always said to everyone, if you need change, you make your ideal world, you just said, make that your world and all the people in your house and all the people around you, and then they'll spread that out there. That's how it works, right? Um, yeah. And that's, that's all you can control, really, is the small section. My compromise to that exact thing, because that's how it should be, is when ignorance and hate is brought to you, ignore it. Because anytime you say or respond to it, I always feel you just gave them power because you acknowledged Absolutely. it. And the well, ignoring part's extremely hard. I'm not saying I do it either. I'm, I'm just saying that's the only compromise is like, hey, someone said something racist there. You know what? 
I'm going to let him learn for himself and I'm not going to educate him. When he wants to be educated, he can come to me and I'll explain it to him. Otherwise, I'm just going to let him feel alone, you know? Um, yeah, and there's a lot of stuff like that where, you know, um, it's like that whole, the whole cake thing. Like they wouldn't sell the cake to the, um, you know, the, 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 the same-sex, same-sex couple. couple, yes. So it's like I don't believe that it's my job to tell them they can't do that. But they shouldn't, and all of us should tell them they can't do that by not buying cakes from them. Exactly. You know? We, we, we need to take responsibility as people and not have to rely on someone else to make the right decision for them because they will never learn that they are wrong. If the government or anyone else swoops in and says, you can't do that, you know, like these people need to know that what they're doing is wrong. And how are they going to learn that if they're just going to get smacked? You know, it's like, it's up to us as people to decide if these people can get away with being racist or homophobic or anything like that. Because if we, if we tolerate it, then, you know, we can do it in other ways than violence. You know, we can show them in other ways than violence. So, you know, I really think it's important, like what you said. It's like, you know, I can't shove it down this this guy's throat that he's being a racist asshole. But, you know, I we have to do our best to make sure that people around us aren't like that. And if, if it's someone you really like or someone that, is close to you it's like maybe you shouldn't be close to them and maybe it's time to walk away like you said and i believe on that's really tough it's really tough and i do believe what you just said the one-on-one connection and conversation first off it takes someone willing to listen and that's that's the thing that's the hardest thing is like no i need you to want to listen to me so i don't waste my time saying the way i see things or vice versa because Right. If someone came up to me and said, "Like, hey, no, you're, you know, uh, some racist comment. You're better than that guy because of the pigment of your skin," I'm not willing to listen. You see what I'm saying? Like, I'm not willing to listen or hear anything that comes out of his mouth. So he's just wasting his breath. And then on the flip side of that, we're going to have that same thing. But if we ignore each other, if I was like, you know, I'm just going to ignore this guy. I'm going to let him live his life, however, because it's so vital, free speech, and and. Everybody having their own journey to a, a positive place, you know, even through ugly times. It's 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 a it's a hard question. I'm you know what I'm saying, but it's like I never want to cheat someone from a hard lesson. Does that make sense? Yeah, like you. That's when you learn. Yeah, you got to kind of learn your own lesson. Yeah, I've learned my own lesson, and I've had to walk away from people before. And it's really hard to do. And sometimes you just, you know, I, I'd like to think that, like, I have to not care what people think of me to do the right thing sometimes, mm-hmm. you know? And it's like, yeah, that, that person might think I'm an asshole, but like, you're the asshole. And that's fine if you think I'm the asshole, you know, I'll take that hit. Um, you know, if you think it's the right thing to do, that you know, in that context, absolutely, so it's 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 tough, and it would be great if that could work. But um, you know, I agree with you. Yeah, yeah. 
keep your house in order and it's it will spread. You know, mm-hmm. just don't teach hate, teach love, and then they'll grow up and do the same thing. It will spread. That's it's that yeah, simple. and and I try to. That was a really big theme on air. That type of stuff. Mm. Um, and that's you know I would say that's the constant theme in like in all of our music. It's just like like it's it's positive in the way of everything is is should be okay and everything is going to be okay and like you know if you're going through a hard time and like say say you can't afford your car or something like that and they're going to take your car like what's the worst thing that's going to happen they're going to take your car like that's it like that's the worst that's going to happen they're going to take the car and you're not going to have a car. You're alive, you have your wife, you have your family and friends, you have a bunch of other stuff, and you can get back up. Like, there's always ways to get back up. So, it's, it's tough, maybe right now, but the door is always open, and there's always a way to, to fix things. It might not be the same, but it could, it's going to be better. Absolutely. And it's all about that. Like you said, there's a perspective on both sides of every argument. And usually from the outside looking in, you can see both sides. And that's right. just human life. But what you just said about the car is exactly it. It's like, learn the lesson. It might be a hard lesson. You might have to take a bus for a while. You might have to do those things. But in perspective, it's a small piece to the puzzle of what defines you and makes you happy. I gave up a long time ago. I'll just I'll say it right now. On things like fair or even justice, you know, because I don't think there's justice for certain things. Like if someone, knock on wood, like were to murder my kid or something like horrible like that, there's really no justice. They can be in jail. They can get the death penalty, but there's no justice to me. I lost something that's irreplaceable, you know? So by giving giving up on those, I don't want to say man-made elements, but giving up on those things that I deserve and every human deserves without a, a question I'm giving up on those definitions, the black and white versions of those definitions and living in that gray definition. It's made me respect people that are completely wrong a lot more than I used to, if that makes sense. But I've also seen some of those people take a journey, get a hard lesson from their, from their ignorance and arrogance and become better people. Not everything. And that's what you can hope. That's all you can hope for, yeah. Brett, fun conversation, dude. I'm so glad I got to to chat with you. I got to thank the old co-host, Chuck and Godless. The reason I even heard your band is because you were their number one of 2016. Yeah. So I, I want to thank them for the introduction to the band. Fantastic new record. Fantastic tour coming up, man. And thank you. Yeah. You're, you're very welcome. You earned it, man. You guys you guys did something new, something special, and it's genuine. So <laughs> It is genuine. Yes. I, I, I can assure that. It, it, it's coming from all the right places. Perfect, dude. So with that, congratulations again to your engagement, dude. And thank th- you. Thank you so much for calling into the Metal Sucks podcast. No, thanks for having me, man. Very enjoyable talking to you. Before we get to the song, I want to remind you guys that this show is sponsored by Rockabilia. Need to stock up on some of your band's merch? Go to rockabilia.com and put some on your wish list. They're the one-stop shop for all your band merch needs. Need to buy a gift for someone and know what bands they're into? Pick up something from Rockabilia. You won't be disappointed with the selection, and you can get 10% off with the code PCJabberJaw. So head on over to rockabilia.com and use the promo code PCJabberJaw and save 10% today.
Metal Sucks Podcast.
And we are back, guys. First song you heard, both brought the self-titled record by Asteroid, which is out February 1st. Make sure you guys pre-order it. First song you heard, I Dream in Lines. Second song, A New Color. And with that, guys, that's it this week. I want to thank everybody for the five-star reviews we keep seeing on iTunes. That little, little, little review means the world to us. It keeps us going, and I really appreciate that, guys. Right. Right. <laughs> Excellent. Excellent. Cool. And make sure you check out our other podcast, as we mentioned, Rise to Offend. It's a documentary podcast this week. God, I had to research Gigi Allen. It was horrible. Oh, <laughs> I'm going to tell you. It was horrible. All week long, you guys, Pete has been bitching about having to do this Gigi Allen podcast. Fuck, or this Gigi Allen topic. It, that's, it's only this like it's the, only, the week before was yeah. Trey Parker and Matt Stone. It was the greatest time ever. I get to do South Park stuff, and now I have to watch some guy wipe shit on his mouth. It's fucking horrible. <laughs> <laughs> He's so dejected. If you guys could see his face right now, I wish I had been ready with a camera so I right. could have recorded right. that. Right, 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 right. right. To all the Gigi Allen fans out there, stop. The Metal Sucks <laughs> Podcast is signing off. This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.